The mission is simple, to help high achievers naturally eliminate emotional and physical obstacles so they can optimize their life for higher achievement. Welcome. You have just entered the Genesis Zone. Good day and welcome to the Genesis Zone show. This is Dr. Brian Brown. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on this beautiful Thursday. I know you could have been anywhere and you chose to be here with us and we greatly appreciate it. So um, have you ever been in one of those movies where it was like um, it was like a crazy sci-fi horror movie? And then have you ever been in a situation in reality where you think I'm in one of those sci-fi horror movies? Well, first up, I'm going to be talking about that today. Uh, So let's dive right into that. Um, I'm going to be talking about several stories, but this first one was a shocker for me. Uh, And this is a new information that is is brand spanking new as of this week. And it's it, it came out. And when I read it, I was like, holy cow, great information. The implications long term. Uh, for the human race may not be so so good. So don't mean to be a doomsday or anything like that, but it it's time to open up uh, a conversation. So let me explain. Uh, shocking news from the world of genetic science this week. Uh, this is uh, this is really the stuff of sci-fi horror movies and needs to open the door for some serious ethical conversations and regulatory conversations. Um, in a in Science Magazine, uh, right up just nine days ago, researchers in the UK have literally pulled animal animal DNA out of thin air. Okay, with the cooperation of the Hammerton Zoo in Huntingtonshire, England, a research team from Queen Mary University in London set up twenty air vacuum pumps around the zoo property to collect air samples. In total, there were 72 air samples that were collected. Because of the invisible uh, genetic material in the air sample um, uh, being so minuscule in the collection jars, the lead researchers uh, had to, uh, uh, or the lead researcher and molecular ecologist, Dr. Elizabeth Clare, created a system for replicating the genetic material using a process called polymerase chain reaction. In other words, she could take a minuscule amount of DNA and she could replicate it. Once they had enough replicated DNA material, they began sequencing it. Uh, In other words, they began doing the DNA sequencing on it. And here's what they found. Dr. Claire's team identified 25 species of animals. Interestingly, only 17 of the species were inside the zoo grounds. The other seven were actually found uh, on the property outside of the zoo. Now, additionally, of the species identified within the zoo, uh, those 17 species within the zoo, genetic material was found in the air as much as 300 meters from those animals' habitats. That's 984 feet, just shy of a quarter of a mile. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a little bit scary. The ethical implications here are huge, and you're hearing it first here on the Genesis Zone show that we need to start having an ethics and regulatory conversation around this technology. This is bigger than privacy, people. This is way bigger than privacy. Allow me to play devil's advocate for a moment. And trust me, 
this would make a great fiction novel if someone chose to write it. What if your DNA was collected from an air sample without your knowledge? What if your DNA was replicated without your knowledge? And what if your DNA was planted at the scene of a crime without your knowledge? And, you know, one would hope beyond all hope that this would never happen. But I think everyone will admit that we live in strange times, and that's why we need to start having this conversation right now. So, okay, that's that's the heavy stuff over with. The rest of the show is good. But when I saw that, I thought, do I bring this to the show or do I not bring this to the show? And I think, yes, I got to bring it to the show. It brings up some really, really important ethical and regulatory concerns over the long haul, like what can be done with my genetic material if I'm exhaling and I'm exhaling lung cells into the air or oral cavity cells into the air or my skin dander, just lose shedding skin. We shed millions of cells a day. And if that's floating around in the air and somebody can collect it and replicate it, what can they do with that? So we need to start having these conversations now. Anyway, on to the good stuff. At the University of New South Wales in Sydney, Australia, researchers published some exciting findings from a recent pain study that they published in the European Journal of Pain just two days ago. For years, medical professionals and researchers have been keenly aware of the association between pain and mental health challenges like depression and anxiety. But we've never really found the actual physical link. Um, That's beginning to change. As lead author of this study, Dr. Sylvia Gustin, a neuroscientist and psychologist, tells us, quote, chronic pain is more than an awful sensation. It can affect our feelings, our beliefs, and the way we are. We have discovered for the first time that ongoing pain is associated with a decrease in GABA, that's capital G-A-B-A, an inhibitory neurotransmitter in the medial prefrontal cortex. In other words, there's an actual pathological change going on. Let Let me interpret that. So GABA is an inhibitory neurotransmitter. It resides right here in the center part of the front part of your brain the medial prefrontal cortex, okay? This prefrontal cortex is what controls all your executive function, and it it tends to be where we get a a lot of emotion management uh, occurs in that area. If you ever have somebody with a head trauma and they've hit the front part of their head, a lot of times they become more easily angered and those types of things. That's why they've lost their inhibitory control. Uh, GABA is an inhibitory neurotransmitter that helps level level the playing field, levels, brings things down. So if you don't know how big this is, I'm about to tell you. As Dr. Gustin's quote mentions, GABA is an inhibitory neurotransmitter. There are excitatory neurotransmitters that ramp things up, and there are inhibitory neurotransmitters that bring things down. It's kind of like uh, an inhibitory transmitter is kind of like the brakes on your car. Without brakes on your car, guess what happens? That's right. You eventually crash and burn. Well, people emotionally do that as well because they don't have these brakes, these neurotransmitter brakes in their brain to put the brakes on the system. So they crash and burn. 
So knowing that this was uh, GABA was an inhibitory neurotransmitter several years ago, I began successfully using natural therapies to help support the genes associated with GABA function. Uh, and there are two types of GAD1, that's capital G-A-D, and number one, GAD1 gene SNPs that we consider when nutritionally supporting the gene to produce either more GABA or to bring down glutamate. Now, glutamate's a new term, wasn't mentioned in the study, but I'm, I'm bringing it to light here because GABA and glutamate go together. It's kind of like the brake pedals and the gas pedal on your car. Uh, you can't have one without the other. We need the gas pedal and we need the brake pedal. Well, GABA is the brake pedal. Glutamate is the gas pedal. And many people, unfortunately, have this genetic blueprint for all gas pedal and no brakes. So they're a recipe for crash and burn. All right. In other words, too much glutamate, not enough GABA is going to set you up for failure. Uh, when I discovered how to nutri nutritionally support um, these gene SNPs related to GABA, uh, if I'm being totally honest, I was attempting to treat anxiety. Uh, and it was super effective for that. Uh, but then I started hearing reports of other benefits from the clients that I was working with. They would tell me things like, Dr. Brian, I'm sleeping better. I, I've had this pain in my neck and back for years, and it's about 50% better. I was like, well, if that worked, why don't we increase that treatment and stimulate the GABA a little more and see if the pain goes away? And guess what? Pain starts going down even further the more we take care of lowering glutamate and increasing GABA. So we're putting the brakes on the system and we're lowering the gas pedal output. <clears throat> so we start to get pain control. And I found this kind of inadvertently, but didn't know why it was happening, really didn't care because clinically I've got a client to take care of in front of me. And if it works, it works. Uh, and we just move forward and use that use that therapy. So uh, you've heard me say it before. Oh, let me back up. Uh, so what does all this mean? It means that understanding genetics is a critical first step in pain management. And GAD1, as well as many other gene SNPs, may play a vital role in determining the proper course of action versus the rampant overprescribing of opiate medications that we're seeing going on worldwide right now. Now, you've heard me say it before, and I'll say it again, because this is a good place to say it. Until we get to the true root causes, and that's plural, the true root causes of conditions like chronic pain, everything else is equivalent to putting a Band-Aid on a gushing wound that needs stitches. Did you get that? If we don't treat the true root causes, the multiple root causes at the genetic level, whether it be for chronic pain or diabetes or heart cardiovascular disease or depression or anxiety, whatever you, you want to throw at me, if we don't treat the true root causes at the genetic level, it's the equivalent to putting a Band-Aid on a wound that needs stitches. And I believe that genetics and epigenetics are the stitches that these gushing wounds need in order to heal. I mean, imagine a world where genes were nutritionally supported naturally to function at their highest and best operating ability. Cardiovascular disease would decline. 
chronic pain would decline, diabetes would decline, anxiety would decline, depression and suicide would decline, and the list goes on and on and on. So the next series of studies kind of clustered together, and it was really weird how they all came in this week. Um, there's a, these are three studies, and they all had to do with epigenetics. Yet the interesting thing is, is that the authors of the studies didn't even mention epigenetics in their studies. Now, one study and the last study that I'll mention in this little cluster, one study did specifically address genes and the implication was that it, it was an epigenetic issue, but they never mentioned the word epigenetic. The other two studies just flat out were not epigenetic studies, but they are. And I'll, I'll explain here. So first one up, uh, the title of the study is Excessive Body Fat Can Lead to Brain Atrophy, Increased Dementia, and Stroke Risk. Okay. The second one up is Aerobic Exercise Boost Healthy Brain Aging, Colorado State University Study Finds. Third one up. Healthy lifestyle may mitigate genetic risk of cancer. So let's go back to the first one. Excessive body fat can lead to brain atrophy, increased dementia, increased stroke risk. What that study found was is that there was a decrease in white matter in the brain. If you remember from last week, white matter is that, that, that material in the brain that causes the connections between the various parts of the brain to be as healthy and fluid and rapid responding as they possibly can be. So when white matter shrinks, our concentration goes down, our ability to think through complex tasks goes down, our ability to have certain areas of the brain communicate with each other goes down. And subsequently, we see this increased risk for dementia because of that. And a study also found that there was an increased risk for stroke. They didn't quite go into the, the how that was linked to white matter, but regardless, they saw that as a phenomenon over the course of the study. So first study, excessive body fat leads to decrease in white matter in the brain. Therefore, you get brain atrophy and dementia. That's the focus here. The second one, aerobic exercise boosts healthy brain aging. So guess what these researchers found? Aerobic exercise actually increases white matter in the brain. Okay. And the third one is healthy lifestyle may mitigate high genetic risk of cancer. So epigenetics is this field of science. You've heard me say this before that involves modifiable risk factors, the factors that you can control. Now there are multiple epigenetic factors that come at us. We have them internally within our body and we have them externally in our environment. Some of them we can control, some of them we can't control but they are modifiable controls for the human genome. Uh, I had a friend recently tell me as I was trying to explain this to her, she said, it sounds kind of like a piano. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, she said, if your genetics are the piano itself and the keyboard, she said, aren't epigenetics or those stressors that can come in and modify those genes? Um, aren't they kind of like the fingers on the keyboard? And I was like, bingo. I mean, that's a beautiful analogy is that, yes, we have this keyboard. It's our genetics. It's what we're born with. It's set in stone. Yet until something comes along and strikes that key, 
there's no activity there in that, in that particular gene. And epigenetics is the fingers on the keyboard. It's the one that strikes the keys. Now it can strike the keys in a good way and we can play a melodious tune or it can strike the keys in a negative way and it can be dun, 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 dun. So you get the idea. And I think the keyboard analogy was just beautiful. So that's what epigenetics is. So let's take the first study. Excess body fat is a negative epigenetic process that causes a decrease in white matter leads to brain shrinkage and increases the risk for dementia and stroke. So even though the authors didn't mention that this was epigenetic in nature, uh, it was. And based on previous studies with obesity and genetic modifications, epigenetic modifications, we know that there are genes involved in obesity that when expressed can cause insulin resistance and other genes that can cause severe inflammation. And we know from other studies that insulin resistance and severe inflammation lead to, guess what? Stroke, dementia, decrease in white matter, and brain shrinkage. Okay. Are you seeing the linkage here? Is there a study that has put all of that together? No. But could we write up a, a review of the literature and say these are the correlations and this may be a, a cause? Yes. So what the authors of the study didn't do is correlate those studies with the potential reason for why obese persons risk increase for these particular issues. But we, we have these other studies that have drawn those conclusions for us. So what can we do? It's, it's, it's a lot more than just eat less and exercise more. I can tell you that it's genetic and we need to approach it as such. Again, it's true root causes, plural. There are more than one gene involved in inflammation. There are more than one gene involved in insulin resistance. There's more than one gene involved in the type of eating that your body demands based on its genetic profile. There's more than one gene involved based on the type of exercise that your body needs based on its genetic profile. So, then we take the second study, which shows that an epigenetic modification such as aerobic exercise increases white matter in the brain. And even though these authors mention nothing about genes or epigenetics, we know from other studies that this is exactly what's going on. Exercise, as other studies show, positively impacts the genome to express in ways that promote healthy aging, healthy brain function, and you guessed it, increase in white matter. So then we take the third study and we look at this last study. And if you remember, the title of this last study is Healthy Lifestyle May Help Mitigate or Decrease High Genetic Risk for Cancer. So in this last study, we find that epigenetically, healthy lifestyle choices can decrease the expression of bad genes. You've heard me say it before over and over again. Genes are like switches. Something has to come along and turn them on and turn them off. Go back to the piano keyboard analogy and you'll understand what I'm talking about. In other words, if you have the genetic markers for cancer, and there are a lot of people who are dead set determined to understand whether or not they have these genetic markers for cancer. 
if that's what you want to do, I support you. I'm one of those people that's like live a healthy lifestyle and don't put that on your worry list. We have way too much on our worry list in this day and age to be worrying about, oh, I've got the genes for cancer. I've got the genes for Alzheimer's. No, we go with what we know. And we know that epigenetically, we can take care of cancer risk with the, we, these epigenetic modifications. We can take care of g- dementia risk with these genetic modifications. Then we just need to implement them into our everyday life and move forward with life. And I'm, I'm of the proponent of school of thought. I was like, don't test for those genes. Why would you want to know that you're predisposed for Alzheimer's? I've got a family history of Alzheimer's on both sides. I know the genes are probably there. I don't want to check and have that added to my worry list, but some people do. And if you do, you need to know that you can modify those genes in a positive direction to keep those genetic switches turned off. But you can know that without even knowing whether or not you got those genes. You can just do it. That's what I was talking about. So the flip side is this. Uh, And this was not discussed in the study, by the way. Uh, But here's the flip side. Uh, And I'm just throwing it out here. If the opposite were true, if bad lifestyle habits were followed in these people that had known cancer genes, I think we would see an increase in cancer rates among these same clients very similar to the obesity study that I, that I mentioned first. Okay. Bad lifestyle turns on bad genes, cuts off good genes, good lifestyle cuts on good genes, turns off bad genes, whether it be for cancer or dementia or brain health or healthy aging, whatever the case may be. All right. So I hope, I hope you understand what I'm talking about there. And lastly, this is the last thing I'm going to talk about today. Uh, And this one will be quick. Three days ago, researchers published in the journal Nature Genetics the findings of their autism research. And they found 163 new ultra rare gene variants that point as a possible causal link to autism. Now, there's a lot, and, and they say this in the study there's a lot of research that needs to be done still. Okay, but when they pooled autistic children across the across the planet and they looked at their genetic samples, there were these 163 commonalities that showed up among all of them. Now, this the study was super nerdy. I'm not going to go into the details, um, but I'm sharing this with you to say this. The field of epigenetics is in its infancy. As it continues to grow, we're going to see newer and more complex, like 163 genes. That's complex. We're going to see newer and more complex linkages between genes and disorders. If you don't take anything else away from today, know this. Genes can never, repeat after me, genes can never be viewed in a vacuum. A solo gene alone is equal to adding one grain of salt to a dish and then complaining that there's no flavor in the dish. We must consider the whole and not the singular unit if we're going to bring about healing and ultimately optimization for whatever condition or whatever thing that we're trying to accomplish with a client that we've got in front of us. I firmly believe that 
we're on the cusp of a major paradigm shift. I think the medical establishment is going to go kicking and screaming into this paradigm shift. But the paradigm shift is this, and I'm just going to call it out. One of these days, and one of these days really soon, we will be genetically profiled by our medical professional. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to happen because ethically, I don't want an insurance company having access to my genetic material. Um, and that's a, convers- a whole other conversation for another day. But I believe that if we're going to truly treat chronic disease and we're going to truly call ourselves preventive wellness practitioners, providers that focus on prevention and wellness, then we're going to have to start with the true root causes, plural. We're going to have to start with the true root causes and start with genetics. Genetics is where it's at. That's what we inherited from our parents one half from our father, one half from our mother, and it made us who we are. And we have this keyboard in front of us and we need to know how to play it. And the only way we know how to play that keyboard is understanding the keys, understanding the genetics. And this is the future people. Um, I, I firmly believe I've looked at other functional medicine people, naturopathic people across the nation, and there are very few only a handful. I can count on one hand the numbers of people that are doing genetic work to the level that 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 we're doing it right now here and at the Genesis Zone. This is cutting edge stuff. Uh, I will continue to bring more and more new information to you. I believe it's critically important to raise awareness and raise the vibrational state of the human race and and bring us to a place where ultimately we can learn to heal naturally. So if you're in that place where you're feeling like you're not operating at your highest and best performance level, whether it be physically or mentally, or you're just curious about knowing what your true root causes are, what your piano keyboard looks like, I'd love to talk to you. Reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Brian G. Brown uh, and send me a message. I'll be glad to help you any way I can. Uh, Also, uh, this fall, coming up really quickly, I'm going to be launching another Gene Hack Boot Camp. Uh, you'll want to get on the waiting list because spots are limited right now, uh, and they're going to be limited for this next boot camp. To get placed on the waiting list, go to drbriangbrown.com forward slash Gene Hack and follow the instructions there. In the Gene Hack Boot Camp, uh, using my proprietary Genesis Zone method, I teach you how to know exactly which of your five optimization zones that's proprietary to me. That's an assessment system that I created. Um, But bottom line is people fall into one of five zones, brain, body, sleep, energy, or immune and run you through my system where you understand which of your zones is the primary zone out of balance that we need to focus on. And from there we can start developing a plan to get you on the path to being uh, better functioning at a higher physical, mental, and emotional level. So again, direct message me on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Brian G. Brown, or, uh, and preferably go ahead and register for the bootcamp, get on the waiting list, uh, drbriangbrown.com forward slash gene hack. Tune in next Thursday at uh, noon Eastern Standard Time for the next uh, In The Zone segment, where I'll be sharing again, the latest research Uh, and my insights um, about this research as it relates to optimizing your uh, 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 your physical and emotional wellness. 
uh, most informed, most trusted, and most grateful that you spent this time with us today. This is Dr. Brian signing off. Thank you.